This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We likely have those watching for the first time, and we want you to know how delighted we are to have you watching our telecast. Now today we want to deal with a subject that is a part of our lives every day. We want to talk about God's viewpoint on money. Now we're not necessarily going to be talking today about the giving of our money. We're going to talk about how money is a part of our lives, how we deal with money, the attitude we should have about it. I hope that you'll stay tuned. This is a very, very important subject for us to discuss. Now, we want to continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course in, the, in order that you might know more about the course and know how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading today from the 16th chapter of Luke. And I want to begin the reading in the 10th verse, and I'll be reading through verse 15. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Money is something that we deal with every day. We use money to buy groceries, to buy automobiles, to pay for home, to buy clothing. It's just part of our lives every day. Upwards of half of the parables of our Lord deal with the subject of money. And the Bible says an awful lot about Money. It's impossible for one to walk in the Spirit 
and to live obediently before God without dealing with money as a part of his life. Now, money is not good. Money is not bad. It is not moral or immoral. It is amoral. It depends upon what we do with it as to whether or not the money that we have in our possession is good or bad. We need to have the right attitude toward money. A late gospel preacher by the, NB, by the name of N.B. Hardeman said, the reception of any truth depends upon the attitude one has toward it. I believe that's correct. Whether or not we receive a particular truth from the Bible depends upon our attitude. There are some people who are not able to see the truth about baptism and about the Lord's Supper in every Lord's Day and about singing and worship. There, there are lots of things they may not be able to understand and can't see it. And, and, and sometimes we may wonder why people are not able to see that. Well, it's the same reason that some people in the church are not able to see the truth about the way to use their money. You see, it all gets back to attitude. We need to develop the right attitude toward money. Well, now, how are we going to do that? First of all, we must understand the bottom line. And the bottom line is this, God owns it all. In Haggai 2 and 8, the Lord said, The silver is mine and the gold is mine. In Psalms, the 50th chapter, verses 10 and 11, He said, The cattle upon a thousand hills are mine. In Psalms 24 and 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Ezekiel 18 and 4, All souls are mine. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, there Paul said, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you and which you have of God, and you are not your own, but you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. In First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, as well as verse 14, we learn this about the money that we have or the, or the material possessions that we have. Everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. And we also learn from those two verses, there isn't anything you can give to God that God did not already own. There's no such thing as God's part, my part. It is all His. Listen to Psalms 24 verse 1 again. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You see, everything that we see, everything that we have, in reality, belongs to God. We're just merely stewards or caretakers of the things that belong to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so God wants us to have some money. It's not that God doesn't want to bless us and that we have money. And it's God who gives us the power to make money. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. We do not get it by our own power, 
It is God, according to that passage, that gives us the power to get wealth. But how do we get it? Well, one way is by working for it. And it is honorable for people to work. After man sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Lord told him he was going to earn his, his uh, living or he was going to live by the sweat of his brow that he was going to have to work for a living. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28, the apostle wrote, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands. We are to work. There are so many people today that want other people to work and then turn around and give them the money. We get money by working for it. It is honorable to work. And we do our children a great service by teaching them the value of working. And the Bible teaches in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 that if an individual will not work, neither should they eat. So we get money by working for it. We get money by investing or by saving money. There isn't anything wrong with an individual saving money. Also, you can get it by inheritance, like the prodigal son in Luke the 15th chapter. Now, he squandered his inheritance. But it may be that some that are watching the telecast now have, have been blessed by someone in their family or someone near them, leaving them something in a will. So that's another way to get money by by an inheritance. Some people get their money in ways that I do not believe that are acceptable. They get it by gambling. They get it by stealing. But another way we can get money is by giving out of what we have. Listen to our Lord in Luke the 6th chapter and in verse number 38. In Luke the 6th chapter and verse 38, Jesus gives a principle as to how God wants to bless mankind. Listen to him. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so God says that I will, you give and it will be given to you. So how do we get money? We get money by working for it. We might get money by saving money and getting some interest, by investing our money, by inheriting money. Some people get it wrongly by gambling, by stealing. But the Lord says we get it by giving out of what we have. You see, the fact is we are merely money managers. And the Lord wants us to, to spend some of it. We have to in order to supply the needs for our families. It is a good thing to save money. But then we are to give of what we have. And we are responsible before God, not only for what we give, but how we manage what is left. And we need to be good managers of what we, have had, what we have in our possession. In uh, the past, I knew a, a, an elderly couple 
that uh, made very little money, but they were good money managers. And they were able to supply the needs of their family. They had a, for them, it was a large family. They had a, some boys that they were uh, as, uh, their sons. And they raised those boys in a very, on a very modest income. And yet, in spite of that, that family was able to give liberally to the Lord. They were able to save some money. And then they had a home that they had worked and paid for and yet they had a very modest income, very modest even for that day. They realized that you're responsible not only for what you give to the Lord on the Lord's day, but you're to use wisely, you're to use judiciously what you have left over after you give to the Lord. Now, God has some warnings about money. For example, money can become your master. In Matthew 6 and 24, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. It's impossible. You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate one, love the other, hold to one, you'll despise the other. Jesus also warns us in Luke 16, verses 10 and 11, that money can be unrighteous mammon, unrighteous money. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3, money is referred to as being filthy lucre. An elder of the Lord's church should not be greedy of filthy lucre. And then money is uncertain. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, Paul wrote, I charge them that are rich that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. And riches are uncertain. They may be here today, gone tomorrow. So they're uncertain riches. And then we're also warned in the Bible that loving money is wrong. It is not wrong to have money, but it is wrong to love money. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 10, Paul wrote that the love of money is the root of all evil. And so we're warned about it. Now in the text that I read earlier from Luke 16, there are some five things to know about money. Now the first one is found in the 10th verse. And in the 10th verse, this is what we learn, that poor money managers of a little will be poor managers of a lot. Listen, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. But he who is uh, unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So if you cannot be a good manager of the little that you now have, then you would not be a good manager if you had more. Someone says, you know, if I had a million dollars, if I had, if I was rich, I would do thus and so. Well, let me ask you, how are you managing what you have now? Are you able to make ends meet with it? Are you able to pay your bills with what you now have? Are you a good manager now? If you're not a good manager of the little that you have, then you would not be a good manager if you were to, were to become rich overnight. Now, the second thing that we need to know is in verse number 11. And here's what we learn in verse number 11. 
a failure to be faithful with money will deprive one of greater riches. Listen to verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, and mammon is money, he will, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you're not going to be faithful in handling money, you're going to be deprived of greater riches. Someone says, well, what are those greater riches? Well, I think that one way to, to answer that is that they are such things as, as peace and joy and happiness that comes through obedience to God. Those are riches that cannot be bought with money. And if you cannot be faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, if you cannot be faithful with handling and managing money, then you're going to be deprived of greater riches. Now, here's the third thing we learn out of those verses. A failure to handle faithfully that which belongs to another will deprive you of owning your own. Look at verse 12 again. If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Well, I just suppose here's a young couple and they're renting a house and they don't take care of it. When they move out of it, the landlord finds holes in the walls. He finds that they have destroyed other parts of the house. They've not been faithful in handling that which belongs to someone else. Why do you think God would, would bless you with having your own if you can't take care of that which belongs to someone else? And so that's, that's why we need to be good managers of what we have. And then the next thing we learn from these passages is found in verse 13. And that is that you cannot be committed to Christ and be driven by love for money. Look, listen to verse 13 again. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and mammon is money. You cannot be committed to Jesus Christ and be driven by love for money. And I have never known an individual who was greedy, who was selfish, who was driven by a love of money. That's all they thought about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they just loved money. And I've never seen an individual like that was really totally committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the fifth thing we learn is in verses 14 and 15. And people who put an undue emphasis on money will deride and mock those who preach on it. Listen to verse 14 and verse 15. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things. They heard what Jesus said in the previous verses, and, and, and they derided him. They derided him. Now, he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart. For what is, what is highly esteemed men, among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So people that put an undue emphasis on money are not going to enjoy hearing a sermon about money. 
They're not going to enjoy hearing uh, uh, something out of the Bible that says that you ought to give as you have been blessed and as, as God has prospered you. And they will deride those who preach on it. So those are five things that we can know. Now, is there any way that we can tell if we have fallen prey to the love of money? Well, first of all, when a person is loving money, they're never satisfied with what they have. And Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10, that the man that loves silver is never satisfied with silver. And then that's all they think about. That's all they ever think about. And you evaluate everything in life in dollars and cents. When some good work comes up, the first thing that a person who is a lover of money will ask, how much does it cost? What is it going to cost? You can just mark it down. When an individual begins to talk like that, they are a lover of money. They evaluate everything in dollars and cents. Why, we need to evaluate things in, the, in light of what good is it going to do? How is it going to help people live better lives? How many souls will be in heaven because of it? You see, God wants us to have the right attitude toward money. And when there, there are consequences to loving money, one of the consequences is that you'll listen to a lesson on giving and then you'll begin to scoff at the scriptures. Secondly, when an individual feels that way, they will begin to forget God. That's happened to people all through the years. In Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, in verse 15, Moses said, Jeshua waxed fat and kicked. When he said he waxed fat, it meant that he had grown prosperous. And the fact is, America has been a very prosperous nation. And now, America is forgetting about God. And that's the consequences of loving money. And then another consequence of lo loving money is that you will cease to trust God and you'll put your trust in yourself. That's what Paul wrote about in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. They that love, the, the, uh, he talks about though, to those who, who were uh, uh, anxious about money, who were rich, and he says that they, need, they will begin to trust in themselves and they're going to fall into a snare. And so that's the consequence when an individual loves money. Now what should we do with our money? We should give back to God as God has given to us. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Christianity was born out of sacrifice. And we must sacrifice in order to support the preaching of the gospel to all of the world. And on the Lord's day, when God's people come together, we are to give as we have been blessed. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. But have you given yourself? The first thing that the Macedonians did was to give themselves to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 5, Paul said this, They did not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Have you given your life to Him? Would you today? Would you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ through your obedience to Him? And by 
your faith in Him, you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess your faith, be baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ, and give your life to Him. And then you need to spend the rest of your life trying to do all of the good that you can for other people. Our world is a very selfish, greedy world. It is sometimes said it's a, it's a survival of the fittest. It's dog eat dog. And, but that's not, not the way that Christians live. And we are to take the blessings that God has given to us, take those blessings and we use them to help other people. I hope that you'll think on these things what, about God's viewpoint about money. You say, well, Brother Lambert, this is a rather strange subject for you to discuss on getting to know your Bible. I do not believe, first of all, that we will ever be what God wants us to be until we understand our relationship to money. Furthermore, we need to use the blessings that we have to do the good that God expects us to do while we're on time's side. One day we'll leave this world and we'll stand before God in the judgment. And if we have been selfish and greedy with the blessings God has given to us, God is going to call upon us to answer for what we have done as a steward of the manifold blessings that have been ours. And so I want you to think about that. The first thing you give, you give yourself. And then the blessings that God has given to you, you give of those generously to help preach, to preach the gospel, to help alleviate suffering in this world. There's so much that can be done. And there, there is the resources with which to do it. I want to give you a personal invitation to visit your Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, I want to encourage you to pick up the telephone and call right now for the free Bible Correspondence Course. I want you to have it. I don't want you to hesitate at all. And there are many people who have learned what to do to be saved by studying this course. They, we've had so many people to tell us, I just know so much more about the Bible now as a result of taking this course. Thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you as my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>